Welcome to Mission Connect, a podcast brought to you by Passion to Reach Ministries, designed to equip you to connect with God's mission for your life. I'm Emily James, your host, here with co-host, Passion to Reach's founder and director, Pastor Fanu. Hey, Pastor Fanu, how are you? I'm doing great, Emily, and excited for another Mission Connect podcast. Yes, we have a special guest on with us today that we will introduce shortly. And then we actually are going to be talking a bit about, um, you know, being faithful and serving. So along those lines, Pastor Fanu, why don't you just tell any listeners that are out there that have been hearing the podcast, finding out what Passion to Reach is about, how they may have an opportunity to get involved here at Passion to Reach. Uh, Emily, you know, one of the things uh, that uh, I think is so critical in our worship uh, to God is how we serve God. And I think serving is directly connected to worship because worship is really not just our songs, but it's our life. It's what Mm -hmm. we Mm -hmm. do with our life, our time, our talents, etc. And so uh, here at the ministry, you know, we're not a church, obviously, we're here to support churches. uh, But as a ministry, uh, we need people that will say, you know what, uh, Pastor Fanu, Emily, I really want to be involved in uh, the work of equipping churches, reaching people, uh, helping, uh, you know, the gospel go out into communities, Uh, even something as simple, Emily, as our podcast and some of the work that's involved in scheduling our podcast guests and, you know, Mm -hmm. making sure that they answer the questions that we send them beforehand so we understand this story. Uh, You know, simple things that um, a lot of times people may not be even aware uh, that we need the help. And so, Uh, Friends, if you're listening and you're saying, you know what, I have an hour a week or two hours a week where I want to serve, I want to contribute. You know what, there's a lot of opportunities here at the ministry that you can serve some, uh, you know, at our physical location or office uh, here in Mississauga, Ontario, or many also online just from your home, wherever you're at. As long as you have an internet connection, uh, you're able to serve as part of the ministry. So uh, if that's something you're interested in, please email us at info at passiontoreach.com and uh, we'd love to give you more information. So with that, Emily, we have a special guest today. Mm-hmm. As you uh, and I'm excited. Uh, Brendan Witten uh, is a pastor in the city and mm-hmm. we had a great conversation with him, don't you think? Yeah, you know, he's really talking along these lines of how we can be uh, faithful in what God's called us to do, how we can get involved in a way that maybe sometimes, um, you know, we want to rush things along. But he's saying, you know, first, let's get into a place of humility. Let's get into a place of serving. And from that, there is change that happens. There is culture shifts or there is creative ideas that come out of that place. And so, um, you know, he's got a great perspective on that of being both somebody who started from scratch building you know, something really following the Lord. And now he's himself a pastor and leading a church and navigating, bringing other leaders up. So he's got incredible insight in that. Yeah, I think you're really going to enjoy it, friends. Please make sure to share this podcast uh, with others as well, especially if you've got a heart to serve God and to make a difference in this world and in our culture uh, for the gospel. You need to listen to this interview with uh, Pastor Brendan Witten. And with that, Let's head on over and talk to him right now. So we're excited to have Pastor Brendan Witten from Toronto City Church on the podcast today. Pastor Brendan, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yes, thank you. So, Brendan, I mean, your story is incredible. You're a pastor in Toronto uh, and uh, you're pastoring a great church. Uh, You've got an incredible journey, a story of how... 
uh, God brought you into uh, leadership. Uh, you're leading a church that's uh, doing great things, that's reaching a lot of people. I know we were talking recently and uh, you're going into, uh, into multiple services now. And so we want to talk about that in a bit, but we want to start off with, tell us a little bit about your journey. How did you come into a place of relationship with Christ and from there into wanting to be in ministry? What, what, what was that journey like? <laughs> no, for sure. Sounds good. Yeah, it was quite the journey. Um, I was really uh, blessed to grow up in a, a very strong Christian home. My parents um, had, had both had different journeys with God, but they really kind of became very serious about their walk with God quite soon after I was born. Mm. So, and, and my parents are the type of people uh, who, if they do something, they're like all in. Right. So I grew up in church, crawled under church pews, you know, that whole thing. Mm -hmm. I, that was my, that was my life growing up. But it, it was really, uh, actually looking back, I especially appreciate it because it just was very ingrained in me right from a very young age. Uh, just the things of God, knowing God, following God, walking with God. And so, and my parents were very, you know, kind of those on fire, radical types of Christian people, mm -hmm. you know, that you'd meet. So, so I heard on from very young, committing my life to Jesus. You know, we came from a Pentecostal charismatic, uh, charismatic backgrounds so to being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those were things that I was very aware of. We were in good churches where, you know, they, they, my parents expected us as kids to actually engage in these types of things. Like they believed we could have a relationship with God. They believed we could follow God and we could know God. So so I, I made a commitment to Jesus when I was very young. It's actually interesting. I was talking at church on Sunday, and I thought about a story uh, that I have not thought of for a long time. But I actually think it's interesting how God will speak to you at the level that you're at. Mm -hmm. And so when I was maybe four or five years old, I actually believe, when I think back, I think my true experience of coming to Jesus, I mean, give or take, when you're that young, you, sure. you know, how do you really know? Yeah. But I remember I, I had this dream. And in this dream, I was on a train, uh, kind of like a toy train, you know, kind of uh, toy story kind of vibe. And I was on this toy train and Jesus was on the train with me. And, but I became aware in the dream of a wolf that was trying to kill me. Okay. And so I remember just in my young mind being absolutely terrified. And then the wolf came and Jesus actually sacrificed himself and the wolf killed him instead. Wow. And so I, I woke up just absolutely bawling. You know, my parents came running in what happened. And, and I think that was where I actually understood the gospel. Mm -hmm. And I actually understood what Jesus, you know, who Jesus was and what he had done for us through that experience. And so that was really, uh, that was really a big thing for me. And so I, I grew up, you know, I had some different encounters like that with God, some different experiences that really marked me as I grew up and really marked me as I moved forward mm. in my, uh, you know, kind of developmental years. And so uh, we were in church. Uh, I was really blessed to be involved in a great youth group, uh, a couple ones, but my main years was at Christian Life Center. And so uh, just being there and there was like just this whole move of God there among the young people there. And so that really marked me. But it's funny because in all this time, I would, from time to time, I get some pretty significant words about ministry, about being a pastor. Mm. And, and I didn't really want to do that at all. I just, I, it wasn't like I was uh, trying to be rebellious about it. Like I actually love God. I, I never went to like this rebellious stage where I just went off the deep end. I always loved God, but my focus very much was on playing basketball. And so I, I just, I love playing basketball. You know, anybody who knows me back then, they'll talk about, I used to walk around with a basketball in my hand. I just, and so my goal was to play college ball somewhere. Wow. So that was kind of there, but it's interesting because I've thought back about it. You know, we're just talking about our stories 
And it was interesting because I'm actually thankful that I didn't, because I didn't try. I think if I'd wanted to be a pastor, I was getting these words. I probably would have been trying to force things or just, right. you know, so, but it kind of, I was just like, well, I, I'm not so sure about these words. Like I'm not trying to go against them, but I just, I want to play ball and I want to be a Christian, but I want to just play basketball and I'm not trying to get into all these other things. Right. And I definitely am not too sure about this ministry thing. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it kind of helped with that. So long story short, I get to the end of high school and I realized there's no college basketball coming, just not even close. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I just, it's not happening. So it's a hard reality to, to <laughs> make. You know, you know what? It's, it's actually kind of funny. It was, but it almost was a bit of a relief mm. because I'm, I'm not diving too deep into my story, but part of it's interesting the different things God will use to form you. Um, I wasn't, I wasn't the most talented basketball player anyways, but I actually it felt in my heart, this was a dream I should pursue. So getting into those last couple of years, I mean, it was obvious to me. I mean, I was a decent high school player, but I was not going to play college basketball, but I felt like I couldn't let go of this thing. Cause I had felt in some ways, well, God put this dream in my heart that I'm supposed to pursue. So when I actually kind of came to the end, there is funny as it sounds, I was a little relieved. Because right. I felt like, okay, I don't need to keep, you know, I don't need to keep trying to figure this thing out when it really seems to me very logically, it's not the way things are going to go. So I finished there. And, and mm. that summer, I, I ended up down at a, uh, at a, a meeting in, in Texas in the States. And it was just, I went with a friend and long story short, because I don't want to drag things out too much. God really got a hold of me in that meeting. I ended up fasting and praying. And there was just some really things that I really focused on that meeting. And I really sensed a very strong call, you know, an encounter with God, a divine call that I needed to step into ministry. I didn't know what that looked like. Mm -hmm. I still wasn't too sure about pastoring because pastoring to me just did not seem like my cup of tea. Mm -hmm. I thought maybe like preaching or teaching or, but this pastoring was just like, eh, I don't know about <laughs> pastoring. Pastoring is too much, too much trouble. So, you know, so, but then it's got, God took me on this journey. And so, I started at a, a youth group, just being an assistant youth leader. Well, first I went home, I tried to, I, I tried to start a Bible study. I just figured, okay, well, if I'm supposed to be a mission, we start a Bible study. I invited a couple friends over and it just totally flopped. <laughs> I mean, it was, it was, it was, I was bored and I was leading it. So, you know, it was just not a good start. So I kind of thought, okay, well, I kind of, oh, this isn't the way to go. So I'm like, well, what am I going to do? And so I, I, I didn't even understand it fully, but I just picked up on the principle, which is, a good principle for people to understand these realms of just serve faithfully where God plants you. Don't try and go force something to happen. But as you serve and as you're faithful is where God's planted you, you know, when you're faithful with little, you're made rule over much. Right. So I started serving in a youth group and then my family had moved churches. So I started serving in the youth group there. And this I was kind of would have been an older youth or, you know, 1920 kind of the Right. junior junior leader kind of vibe and and this was a smaller church with a smaller youth group so i ended up becoming the assistant youth leader de facto and so then i went on the journey i started in a, a local kind of a local local church-based bible college uh you know so i'm kind of trying i'm just being faithful where i'm at and then then i got a call from a friend and he said hey uh you know i i'm the youth pastor at this korean church and I would love to, uh, I'm going to the States for school and I'd really love to recommend you if you'd want to come be the youth pastor. They need an English speaking youth pastor. Because first time I'm like, well, Korean youth group, you know, it's like, but like they need an English speaking youth pastor to run the English services for the young people. So I'm like, okay, you know, I, I, and he said, I said, well, how much time do I have? He said, well, I leave in three weeks. So I'm like, okay, I've got like two weeks to make my mind up here. So, you know, it, I, I, I kind of, I took some counsel 
And, and, and you know, to be honest with you, it's interesting. Uh, I wasn't, I was never a hundred percent sure I was supposed to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when we, sometimes people in their journey, yeah. they're waiting for like, you know, this a hundred percent. I know that I know that I, and, and that happens sometimes. I've had things where I knew that I knew that I knew, but I've also had things where I really felt God was calling me to do something, but I was still struggling with some doubt and fear. I was still struggling with a little bit of challenge with it, but I just had to take a step of faith. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause I mean, you guys would agree if you know, a hundred percent, you don't really need faith because you know, a hundred percent. Um, I heard a guy recently, he shared a quote from Andy Stanley that stuck with me. And Andy Stanley said, most of the things I've done when I started, I was about 80% sure it was God. Mm. He said, if you wait till you're hundred percent sure all the time, he said, you often you get, you get in late or you miss some windows. Sometimes you just gotta, you, you're pretty sure it's God. You're working at it, but you gotta, you gotta just step out. You gotta take that step of faith. Right. So, so I start with the youth group and, uh, trying to drag out too long. I kind of had no idea what I was doing. They just stuck me in the basement with the kids. And so, mm-hmm. but I fear, okay, well, I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God what to do and let's see what we can do with this. Right. Um, that's all I knew to do. And uh, so, you know, we started and, 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 you know, after about a year, you know, just kind of working out, we started to see some good growth. We started to see kids getting saved. My brother and my sister started coming out. Uh, we started bringing more kids out and, and so I always remember, I'll, I'll be forever thankful for Pastor Chung. He was the senior pastor there at the Korean Mission Alliance Church. And for some reason, he thought it would be a good idea to let this 21-year-old youth pastor borrow the church van every weekend and drive around picking up young people for youth service. Wow. So I would spend, we do a Sunday afternoon service, I would spend maybe two and a half to three hours driving around picking up kids for service. And then we'd run service. Yeah, yeah, mostly, mostly in the east. So mostly it's actually uh, like in Durham region in the east because that's where I live. But I was in more Toronto where the church was. But then we'd pick up kids on our way in. We'd have all these stops. Then I'd come in, lead worship, run the service. And then we'd have, you know, food time afterwards. And then we'd load everybody else up in the van. And I'd spend two and a half to three hours dropping people home. Wow. And so, so it, was quite, it was quite the experience. You know, looking back on it, I, I, I laugh sometimes. And so we'd pack out this van with young people coming into service. Now, the funniest thing sometimes, uh, well, I remember one time we went through a McDonald's drive-thru and did like 14 individual orders. So I'm sure they weren't particularly happy with us on that one. Uh, but what was quite funny about it was most of the kids we were winning, almost all of them were not Korean. Wow. So you have me who's not Korean in the Korean Mission Alliance church van with a bunch of kids who are obviously not Korean. So I think it's probably the grace of God. The police didn't get called at some point about, you know, this, this young thug looking guy in a, in a van that obviously like, so they've stolen this church van. What terrible people these guys are. So, so anyways, it was really growing and it was good, but we were bringing a lot of kids. Our real grace for growth was in the East Ajax Pickering area. Mm-hmm. So we were really praying about what to do. Cause I realized we were, we're winning here. We can't keep bringing all these kids in. So, Excuse me. That led to starting a youth uh, Bible study, mm. and so in the, and and you probably remember this a little bit. Not necessarily youth Bible study, but it was that GP bikes. Yes. And uh, so, Jerry so was on our podcast here. Jerry yes, yes. So Jerry, G, yeah, Jerry was with you guys, right? So, so shout out to Jerry because he's another person who took a step of faith on me, and I don't know if I would have taken a step of faith on myself, but he somehow thought it was a good idea to let me and all these young people in his motorcycle shop. And, uh, and, and so we started this youth Bible study in the back of this motorcycle shop. So I, I continued to do the youth group 
group in Toronto. But now we started doing this thing on Thursday nights. And we got some very weird looks from parents when they dropped their kids off at a Bible study in a motorcycle shop. You know, it was, right. it was, uh, you know, but we just started, uh, we just started doing that and started going, you know, it's interesting sharing the story. I remember, I remember the first night we started it. I set up all the chairs. We'd go to a local church. They lent us their chairs. We'd pick up all the chairs. We'd bring them over. We set up the CD player to do worship. And, uh, you know, and, and I remember sitting there, no one had come yet. And I remember I was actually absolutely terrified and I was sitting there. I'm like, what am I doing? Like, it was just like this wall of fear was right there. And it's interesting because when you step out into what God has for you, I found it over and over. Anytime I step into something new, there is this point where there's this wall of fear. Mm-hmm. And it's just like it happened when I kind of formally planted the church. It happened when we made major changes in decisions. It happened when I took over here and let a church merge. Uh, you know, and it was just, but there was this wall of fear. And I remember this distinct moment where I just said, okay, Lord, I'm doing it. You know, if nobody shows, because I'm like, is anybody going to come? Is this even going to work? I just said, okay, I'm going to do it. And it was like the wall of fear just evaporated. Mm. But, but it's interesting because even anyone listening to this, if you're trying to step out and do some things for God, you're stepping out and do things, I promise you that wall of fear will be there. Mm-hmm. Guaranteed. You're going to be at some point, it's going to hit you, but you're going to find out when you step through it in faith, it's just a mirage. So, so again, moving on this story, because it kind of connects in different ways. We're doing this youth Bible study in the motorcycle shop. After about three months, we outgrew it. Uh, we also broke a display case. So that might've had a little bit to do with the outgrowing of it, but uh, yeah. you know, we, uh, we outgrew it. And then we went, found a local church and they let us do a youth drop-in center. So we do a youth drop-in center, play basketball game, set up video games. And we do like just this crazy kind of outreach service on Thursday nights. Mm. So that's kind of where I cut my teeth, you know, learning to preach to a bunch of kids. Half of them wanted me to shut up so they could go play basketball again. So, you know, that was kind of our, our journey. But it was really growing. So we get, I think we'd hit like 80, 90. I think we, we almost hit 100 kids on some of these Thursday nights wow. coming in. Yeah, it was really, and I, I look back, I just figured at that time, I'm like, well, I guess this, you just obey God. This is what happens. I didn't really understand this isn't the normal thing all the time. You know, it was just right. God was moving. Mm. And so I really started to think about at this point, okay, well, I do believe in church. And I kind of affectionately nicknamed us the youth group without a church because we had all these young people, but no church. So, so I was really praying about what to do. And so I thought, well, maybe we just need to go join a church. Maybe, you know, would you like me and my youth group to come join the church? You know, it was just, but nothing seemed to click. Nothing was working. It just didn't feel right. And my mom, who was a real, is a real intercessor and she was a prayer partner with me. We'd pray together almost every day. We'd, some days we'd spend a couple hours just praying into what God was doing. Um, and she looked at me one day in our prayer time. She said, well, I think this is their church. And, uh, you know, that really freaked me out to be honest with you, because I thought I have no business leading a church. I'm too young. I don't know what I'm doing. We have no money. You know, I just got no business doing this. And so, but, but the thought stayed there. It wouldn't go away. And so, you know, we're going a couple months. There's nothing's opening up. Nothing's happening. This thought's in the back of my mind. Am I supposed to just start a church? And, you know, it's been, I think, as you and I were talking about before with this, um, you know, this was not like nowadays that would be somewhat normal. Young guy plants a church with young people. We see that quite often. Back mm-hmm. in 2000, when this was happening for me, you didn't see That's this right. anywhere. Mm-hmm. Like it did not happen. Mm-hmm. Like a lot of what you're seeing now, we, we were, you know, we we're stepping into that point, but I didn't see it anywhere. I didn't know of it. And it was pre really kind of internet was getting started, but it wasn't huge. You wouldn't have like a, a Stephen Furtick or somebody right. that you follow on Instagram or you watch YouTube videos. Like right. none of that existed. 
Mm-hmm. Right. None of that happens. So mm-hmm. it was, it was really this whole kind of, I really was struggling with, and I was really worried people are going to think I'm arrogant. I'm some punk kids, you know, all mm-hmm. these different types of things. Uh, so, but we, we get into this youth camp that summer. And so we're up at, you know, uh, at this youth camp. And I said to God, I said, I taken some of the young people. I said, I need to know. Mm-hmm. I need to know. I need to know from you either. I'm supposed to start a church or I'm not, but I don't want to go back and forth on this anymore. So we got in that camp and there was the morning speaker was a guy named Billy Kennedy. Mm-hmm. Now I think you guys would be familiar. Some of our listeners would be familiar. Others wouldn't, but there was uh, the first big like worship band that really hit things in the nineties was delirious. Yeah. So Martin Smith and delirious, they were kind of like the breakthrough worship band, kind of this cool band out of England, you know, and kind of was, no one saw worship music, you know, the way we do now before they came along, they were the trailblazers. So the guy who came to speak was Billy Kennedy, who was the youth pastor at the church that they came out of. Mm, So he was Delirious's youth pastor. And it's interesting to just different things, what God does in nations, because there's some really cool things happen in the UK in that season of time. They, I mean, without digressing too much, the UK never really had a baby boomer church movement. So the church had really died out in many ways but it created this environment where a lot of people were really trying to be cutting edge to say, how do we reach our culture? Mm. And they didn't have a lot of the, you know, glass ceilings and perceptions that, you know, we would have run into here in North America because there was just, there wasn't much to, everybody knew things weren't working. So they're open to be very creative. So they do all kinds of things like worship raves and like, they're just, there's a lot of stuff that they're doing in the UK that, you know, around 2000 in North America was like, Whoa, this is crazy. You know? So, (laughs) so Billy Kennedy comes in and he preaches this message. One of the messages he preaches about God wanting to raise up outside of the box churches Mm -hmm. that are going to reach different types of people. So he had this whole message about now, why do you go to a youth camp and preach about that? I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like that's not a classic youth camp Mm -hmm. message whatsoever. I, I I'm partially convinced God just sent him there for me. Wow. So that obviously, I mean, here my story, that spoke to me because I'm going, man, okay. Like it kind of gave me, it gave me a language in a window because I really couldn't see myself doing what I saw as a traditional church. But then I'm mm-hmm. saying, oh, well, maybe we're supposed to be an outside the box church. And it kind of did that. And then he preached another message right at the end of the week where he talked about how God is raising up Davids in our generation. They're going to take down Goliaths. Mm-hmm. They're going to be considered too young. Mm. Their confidence in God is going to be mistaken as arrogance, mm. and they're not going to be able to wear the older generation's armor. Mm. And so, I, again, like, I mean, I don't know who else you would have been preaching to. I'm sure other people got something out of it, but that just hit all the major things for me. I was, I'm thinking I'm way too young to start a church. Number two, I was really terrified that people are just going to think I'm this punk kid who doesn't want to serve in a ministry, wants to go do his own thing, you know. And mm-hmm. and then I'm just like, and I can't see myself doing it the way that I've seen it done, like the older generation's armor. You know, I just realized it's okay. I'm not saying their armor's bad. It's just, it's not for me. So it really gave me language. And I came out of that service. I pulled our group together. I said, okay, we're going to start a church. I still knew nothing about starting a church, but I was like, we're going to start a church. So that was kind of the start of our journey. And uh, that grew into what became Church Without Limits. Uh, And, you know, and then there was, there's a whole journey because that obviously was 17, well, eight, almost 18 years ago now. So it was kind of a whole journey that God took us on. You know, it's funny, even without wearing the older Jewish armor, I still didn't really believe it. So for like the first four or five months, I wore dress pants and dress shoes. I kind of wore a sweater, so it wasn't too dressy. And then after six months, I realized the adults aren't coming no matter how I dress. I might as well just be myself. And, uh, and so that's where we kind of went on this journey of 
Church Without Limits. And so it was kind of this whole, I mean, there's a whole story in the Church Without Limits. Uh, we were doing Saturday night services for the first several years. We really experienced a really cool move of God. We would have young people there past midnight just worshiping and praying. Parents wouldn't believe they'd gone to church because they're like, nobody, A, goes to church on Saturday night. B, they don't stay out that late. What club did you go to? You know, they're like, no, really, I went to church. And, yeah. you know, and then, but it was kind of this cool journey. We all, you know, we had our opposite. We had our downs. We, we grew up together. I've done a ton of weddings, tons of baby dedications. I've been cool to see people I saw come to the Lord, uh, you know, come get, see them get married, see them have kids, dedicate their children. Mm-hmm. You know, but we've also been through some painful circumstances. You know, some of the people we walked with, we, you know, things happened. Some people fell away from their faith. You know, so there's a whole gambit of kind of building church. But coming out of it, I, I've, I definitely, I still carry a huge heart for church planning. And I just absolutely love church planning. I love church planners. And I'm so, I, I, I believe in the future, I, I, we will step more into kind of releasing church plants even out of Toronto City Church. Uh, but we're not there yet. Right now, I just try and find church planners and encourage them and help them in whatever way I can. Now, you're obviously at a church now that's, um, by the way, uh, Brendan, just incredible. What mm-hmm. a journey. What an incredible story yeah. of stepping yeah. uh, out. Yeah, of, of mm-hmm. God taking somebody who was faithful, passionate, sold out, and just building, you know, this, this dream of, yeah. of, of a ministry and a journey, which obviously he knew the whole time, but uh, you're sort of. Uh, experiencing it as you go along one one season to the next. Um, you're in a different season right now. Uh, I'm assuming uh, you, you're not considered a punk kid anymore, uh, or are you? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, I probably I've probably graduated from punk punk kid stage. Yeah. Now I'm kind of I'm kind of in that in between zone. I think some people still think I'm really young. Right. All the young people think I'm old, so I'm just kind of in this weird. I'm in this weird zone now. Right. So you're at Toronto City Church. You know, it's it's a growing church. Lots of the great things happening. But I want to talk for a moment to uh, this idea of the kingdom of God needs what I guess we would call in technology and 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 business disruptors, people, mm-hmm. ideas, yes. uh, yeah. innovations that change the mold. They don't just change the business model, but they actually change the entire mold of how things are done. Right. Yeah. And oh, yeah, so totally. obviously, you know, Facebook, social media, that whole uh, thing that's popped up in the last few years, uh, you know, companies like um, obviously like Apple that, that have just, just disrupted the way Uber is a great example, right? Uh, what do they call it? The biggest uh, taxi company in the world and owns no cars. Airbnb yep, yep. is the biggest hotel chain and doesn't own any buildings. So this whole idea of a disruptive uh, you know, company, disruptive uh, innovators that come into a marketplace and change the way uh, business is done. I, yep. I almost feel like in the church space, in the kingdom, there needs to be disruptors, Holy mm-hmm. Spirit disruptors for every generation that are doing things differently from what the previous generation did in order, not just for the sake of disrupt, being disruptive, but for the sake of a new generation of people that communicate differently, receive yep. information differently, and, uh, and are looking for something different than what the last generation was looking for. I mean, what they need at the end of the day is always the same thing, but mm-hmm. what draws them is something different because their felt need, their perception of what they need is different from the previous generation. So, 
talk to the, to, uh, talk to us about that. And I, and I, I want you to come to us from a perspective of where you are right now in life and even looking back. Uh, yeah. What is the place for those kind of individuals, leaders, visionaries, 19-year-old, 21-year-old, 25-year-old, people that are saying, I have an idea, Brendan, but man, I just think it's so crazy. I, I don't even want to do this because I, like, I think people are just going to you know, think I'm in it for the wrong reasons. I'm a heretic. I'm, I'm, you know, what I'm even considering is blasphemous. I mean, how would you even do church that way? Um, yeah, yeah. What would you, what would you say? What would you say to those people and to that whole concept of uh, just, you know, disrupting the status quo to reach a new generation? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting that you talk about that because I've, I, I've, yeah, same language as what you're talking. About. I've thought a lot about just disruption right now i mean we can see if we look around the world around us that the level of disruption right now is is just i mean you could almost say unprecedented just mm-hmm. the pace at which it's mm-hmm. happening it's in every mm-hmm. industry like you said whether it's uber whether it's airbnb there's just on educational levels there's disruption happening you know in every angle and every level so it really does seem to be a sign of the times in some ways and just because of technology it moves so quickly yeah. you know like i've heard people say you know i wouldn't consider myself an expert at this at all but you know we're going through the greatest revolution since the industrial revolution mm-hmm. just but the pace of it is so much faster mm-hmm. so so we're definitely in a time where i think more and more people are looking for something new i think young people are recognizing hey i can step out i can do things there's many examples in that for them and so i think that you know, God is a God of creativity. And if you look at just the way God is, the way God operates, I mean, look at people, look at the way he created us. No one person, no, no one's the same. No one's, you know, and I think in the kingdom, there is room for many, many, many different expressions of things. And I actually think we're at our strongest when there's room for these multiple expressions, Right. You know, because people are different. Cultures are different. Right. Uh, callings that people have, have been given are different. And I think we need to make sure that there is room for expression in that. So, but it's interesting because what I'm also cautious about in this age of disruption, even watching some of the things that are happening right now, even with young people and the gun stuff and the media and so on, is in a kingdom, if we call it disruption is almost a funny word though, because in the kingdom, you always have to walk in a spirit of honor. Mm. Right. And, and, and the, the danger can be is it's if we embrace the the uh, the the kind of the diversity of the kingdom of God, the diversity of God's expression. I've got more of an appreciation for this because the church that, you know, Church Without Limits that I planted, we grew up together. But then I ended up leading a church merge between Church Without Limits and Toronto City Church, where I am now, which brought me into a much more diverse place of, of leading different demographics and different age groups, especially mm-hmm. in that. And so, so part of that is if I, if I truly believe there's room for kind of all these different expressions in the kingdom, then there also needs to be room for the expression of maybe uh, that church that my parents attend, Mm -hmm. you know, if that makes sense. Now my parents technically attend my church, so I'm not speaking of that exactly that way, but see, it's, it's really the key is what is God asking me to do? And let mm-hmm. me be true to what God's asking me to do. I don't have to say something else is wrong necessarily to be right. right. Now, hear me. I'm not talking mm-hmm. about moral relativism. I'm not talking about morality. But I'm talking about in expressions of the kingdom of God. Right. And so I think that we want to have, if maybe I could, if I could coin the phrase, a kingdom disruption. 
mm-hmm. which means because a lot of times we hear disruption, we hear, oh yeah, you know that that's that that you know the old way of doing things is past. We don't need to do that anymore. That's wrong. You know, we're doing something new. We're kind of where it's at now. Our parents' generation messed it up. We're the ones who are going to get it right. And that's just not a godly attitude at all. Right. You know, but, but on the flip side, you know, if we're, if we're walking that way, uh, the, the danger that a lot of us do is we think, well, I can't do something new. Mm-hmm. But in the kingdom, God's always, I mean, you know, how many t- look in the scriptures, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Right. You know, and just that God is bringing new things. And so, so I think that, I mean, you've kind of, you, you just, the whole concept's got me thinking now. We could probably do a whole series of podcasts just on this by mm-hmm. itself. But it's, I think that for people who are listening, is if God's put something in your heart, what you want to do is you want to be true to the, if I say it this way, like the, the tabernacle was built with the pattern that was given from heaven. Moses went up the mountain. He got the pattern from the Lord. He came down and he built the tabernacle. And each one of us, we need to do that with what God's put in our heart. We need to go up the mountain you know, symbolic of the presence of God. We need to go in the presence of God and we need to get the pattern from the Lord for what he's called us to do. And for Mm -hmm. me to embrace a pattern of how God's asked me to do something doesn't mean I need to say something else is wrong or something else is the right way to do it. I say, hey, there's there's different types of churches that reach different types of people. That's right. And and, and, there may be some things that I see in church life that I don't like. I mean, I know you guys are passionate to reach. You go and you help churches make changes and things and what they do. So I, that's fine. But, but really part of moving forward the kingdom is if, if you carry a spirit of dishonor, you just, you shoot yourself in the foot right off the top. Mm-hmm. And so, so the attitude is I want to honor what God's done because anything that I see maybe as passe or old was fresh and new at some point. That's right. Right. It always was right. It was, it was cutting edge in yeah. its day. You know, it was, and it was kind of, and every generation has its new things. And I, so I think it's, it's wise for us to be aware of history and aware of kind of how the moves of God have come because it helps us to skip through some things. So hopefully I'm not rambling around that too much, but you kind of, it, it was, it's a good, it's definitely a good food thought. So if I'm talking to, you know, someone in there, like you said, young person with that, I'd say, you know, recognize, get the pattern from God. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to be true to yourself and do something new but also make an effort to learn from that which has gone before right. and to learn and to honor and to, to, to really, you know, to, to be, be comfortable and be confident in being who God has made you to be. Mm-hmm. Like that's part of what I came into, even with church without limits. I wasn't trying to not be something. Mm-hmm. I was just being what was in my heart. You know, so when we started, I mean, you guys mm-hmm. think back, this mm-hmm. is like early 2000. So kind of style. I wore baggy jeans. I wore fat farm sweatshirts. I wore Timberland boots. You know, I was kind of, that was me in that season. So I was myself, but I grew out of that. Many people would say, thankfully, but you know, I, I grew out of that and, <laughs> you know, and, and the jeans got tighter and the shirts got more there and, you know, and then I always swore I'd never do skinny jeans. You know, you wouldn't find me dead in skinny right. jeans, but here I am in 2018 wearing skinny jeans. You know, it's just, <laughs> so you just, I, my commitment was just to be myself mm-hmm. in whatever season I'm in and just to do that. But, but it's interesting because I've recognized even now as a church, we've got certain types of people we reach really well. And then there's other people that, you know, we're not, you know, hitting, you know, we're not reaching everybody. We need multiple churches that are going to reach different types. I love some of the church plants and the movements that are happening in our city right now. There's mm-hmm. new churches that are coming. So you guys are familiar with some of them, but church plants. And it just, in the body, there's room for multiple expressions. So just find out what expression you're supposed to be. 
don't worry about trying to explain what someone else is wrong or right or whatever. Just learn from others, but be who God made you to be. And if that's disruptive, then so be it. You're not trying to be disruptive. You're just trying to obey God and live out what he told you to do. That's good. That's good. Now, in terms and along the lines, I guess you've technically had or you do have kind of the two sides of the coin in a sense. So you've been in that place where you're like, okay, this is kind of groundbreaking. And now you're in like a pastoral role where you are actually um, trying to navigate people who are maybe there or, you know, what's the next step for the church? How do we incorporate maybe an idea or somebody's come to us and how this is groundbreaking thing? So let's go first from the perspective of maybe as leaders of the church or maybe we are planting a church or maybe we're leading a church right now where we're seeing um, young people kind of rise up and kind of have these ideas but as a pastor that's never how we operated what would you say to a pastor who's maybe in that place of how do you begin to um you know we we throw out the term a lot culturally relevant how do we become culturally relevant well making sure that we're not also compromising certain things and incorporate maybe this other generation that's rising up yeah, no, that's, that's a really good question. And I think there's a lot of people who are really wrestling with that right now mm-hmm. because it's interesting. Uh, I love what God's doing with a lot of these church plants and, and a lot of these new churches that are rising up. Uh, I love what God's doing with kind of millennial churches, if we call that right now. I, I just, and I think I've got a special place in my heart because it, it, it just reminds me so much of kind of where we started and what we did just when it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't a thing back then. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think though that it's interesting because there's, there's a flip side to it, and this is nobody's fault, but some of that is young people saying, well, I don't want to go to my parents' church, and I want to just, you know, I want to do something that is relevant for me. And I guess that's just, that's the way generations tend to work and things tend to happen. But I think it's really key, and it's actually very, uh, you really, as a leader, you want to prioritize the next generation within your church. Mm-hmm. You know, you want to prioritize, you need to be yourself. You know, you, you can't be someone you're not and, uh, you know, you, you, you be yourself, but, but really what the next generation is looking for more than anything is they're looking for fathers and mothers right. and they're looking for a place to have a significance. They're looking for a place to belong. So if, if I'm talking to a pastor's work, the first thing I'd say is number one, you want to just build relationship with these kind of up and coming up. You know, I understand they're going to be fireballs. Probably they're going to be quite passionate. They're probably going to be rough around the edges there, you know, you're going to have to kind of guide, but if it, it all of, you know, uh, fathering, mothering, spiritual, it happens through relationship. Mm. And so you make efforts to engage them, you know, whether it's just starting, because they probably would never come and set up a meeting with you. That's really scary. Go set up a meeting with a senior pastor. But if you set up a meeting with them, say, hey, I just want to hear your heart. I want to hear what's going on. And, and as you build relationship, you know, I would start to get their input on, okay, well, what do you think about our church? What are things that we could do? How could we change things? And you start to hear from them, but it's coming through a platform of relationship. And it's coming through a platform mm-hmm. of trust. And it's mm-hmm. coming from a platform of them starting to understand your heart. Yeah. And then, so then you, so number one, begin to engage relationally. Number two, begin to get feedback. Mm-hmm. And they won't believe you at first, probably. They, they won't really believe that you want the real feedback or they won't give it to you. They won't give it to you straight. Because one thing about, especially this generation, they, if, 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 if you really want it, they'll give you very straightforward feedback. 
and they won't, mm-hmm. they won't pull any punches and you know, it can hurt your feelings a little bit sometimes, but it's just the way it's, you know, if you want it, then they'll, they'll bring it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're used to being a generation that has a voice that, you know, my opinion matters and I'm going to say what I think. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. I mean, it can have its flip side. It's just, it is what it is with the generation. So number one, begin to engage relationally. Number two, begin to engage with ideas and inputs and what can we do and how can we do this? And then number three is begin to engage them in what you're doing. Begin to Mm -hmm. make room for them. I have been in organizations where they do a very good job of making room for the next generation. Mm -hmm. Now, sometimes that means some people in the older generation have to sacrifice some. And they have to say, I've done this role for a long time, or I've been very prominent, but I need to step aside for the younger generation to be able to have a larger place. And I need to move to more into a a fathering, a mothering role Mm -hmm. where I'm really about the next generation. So that can be tough sometimes. That can be a Mm -hmm. difficult transition, but you begin to make room and strategically get them involved because as they're involved, then things will really begin to come to life. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, an excellent person I think I really recommend for this, it might be some of you guys from us, but Willie George in Church on the Move in, uh, in uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Now, I know Willie George because Willie George, to me growing up, was Gospel Bill. And uh, Gospel, he was this kind of in the kind of in faith circles. He was kind of this kids ministry guy and he dressed up as a cowboy gospel bill. And they used to make these videos and all these things. So I grew up on gospel bill. I cut my teeth on gospel bill. Mm-hmm. Well, he ended up starting, he, he really did some cool youth ministry stuff. And then he ultimately grew into planting a church. It's called church on the move in Tulsa. Well, if you track this, some people listen to me like Google him, track down his story because he said he realized in about the early to mid 2000s, he went to visit a church of a, a, a hero of the faith, a mentor of his. He went to preach for him. And when he got to the church, he was actually, because this church used to be in the thousands. He said the church was like 300 people and everybody in that church kind of was above the age of 60. And he said it absolutely broke his heart because this was a man of God who made a massive impact. But what happened was they, they missed it in launching to the next generation. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Willie George went on this whole journey of saying, okay, how do we make sure we don't miss that? And, 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 and it's this amazing story. I mean, he was always a very innovative, creative leader, always had a big heart for the next generation and had a big heart for that generation. So he was very open to it, but he went over, like just, they made a massive transfer. And even if you look at like screenshots of their church from like 2003 to their church, 2008, 2003, it was like, you know, the classic nineties red carpet, everybody's suit and tie, flowery dresses, you know, big pulpits, flowers all over the stage. And they made a complete jump to where now Church in the Move, I really say in many circles, is a very leading, cutting-edge, creative church. But he he really, he made, so I won't even try and share all the, but he actually literally does summits now where he pulls pastors in and says, listen, this is what you've got to do for us older guys to transition and engage the younger generation. But I will say one thing that he did that stuck out to me was he said that he gathered a lot of his faithful members who'd been with him for years, the older generation. And he said, listen, I need to talk to you. This is what God has been showing me. He said, and we as a church need to begin to position ourselves to reach the next generation. Mm. We have to position ourselves to reach millennials. We have to position ourselves to release young families. Now here's what this is going to mean. Mm. This means that church can no longer be just about us, but church has to be about us the next. And that means there's going to be some changes that means there needs to be some, uh, you know, there's going to be some things maybe that are uncomfortable for you. 
We're still going to do ministry for you, but we're going to reorient our music. We're going to reorient a lot of what we're doing to reach. Can you go with me on this journey? Can you go on this journey with me? Can you go on this? Can you take this step with me? And can you walk this out with me? And so, I mean, and so he's got a whole kind of journey and story about that, but I'd really recommend if, you know, people are listening to this, if they're kind of in that place, it's an excellent resource. And of course, there's many others who've done that. I think, you know, Hillsong is another church and ministry that I've kind of observed over the years. You know, I think everyone thinks Hillsong was just forever cool forever. But if you look at some old videos, some old clips, I've got some friends who are in the movement. You know, same thing. They went through some stages. They made some intentional decisions, but it involves engagement, relationship, beginning to let the younger generation speak and then beginning to give place for the younger generation. And it, it but, but it, it makes a lot, if you help the, uh, of what I'll call the older generation, if they buy into what you're doing, mm-hmm. it's a lot better mm-hmm. than just trying to kind of one Sunday they show up and everything's changed, you know, but actually buy in, in the thing, we're going to reach young families. We're going to reach millennials, you know, and this sort of, and I think, you know, what you guys do at passion to reach is, you know, is a great opportunity. As soon as some people are listening to us, I'd really recommend just what you guys are doing because sometimes you get some outside consultants coming in and helping. It can help smooth some of those transition points. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's good. Talk to, uh, talk to the other side of the coin. Talk to the yes. young person that's coming up. So you yep. we're talking right now to the, to the, you know, the older generation, the leaders today, the ones that have been, you know, in leadership for many years and how they need to pivot to be able to embrace what God is doing in the new generation. What would you say uh, to people that are in their early twenties that have a sense of a call, have a sense of a mission, but don't, and, and, and what God's laid on their heart looks very different from what they see around them. How would they navigate that process of engaging with God's mission for their life without offending, without being dishonoring in any way uh, to those in leadership today? How does that translate yeah. from their perspective? Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a good question and a good point as well. I mean, I think there's, I'm cautious in saying that I don't think there's like a one size fits all type solution for that. I think I'll speak to the heart because if your heart's in the right place and you walk with the Holy Spirit, you can navigate through a lot of things. Okay. So the heart attitudes you really want to carry is number one, and I've mentioned this before, honors a really big deal to me. Uh, naturally as a younger generation, especially because, you know, no church, no situation is perfect. Mm. And if you're in it for long enough, you're going to be able to find flaws. You know, you're going to be able to find shortcomings. You're going to be able to find issues. And, uh, yeah, it's like, I joke with our church family. Sometimes if you ever find the perfect church, the minute you show up, it won't be perfect anymore. (laughs) You know, cause it's just, none of us are perfect and and we can't look for the perfect situation. So what we need to learn to do is we need to learn to celebrate what God is doing mm. and then process through, okay, the challenges that are there. And so, so a spirit of honor is really important. And that means, mm. you know, honoring what God has done and is doing. Let's just take a church, for example. Mm. Let's say someone, it, it, you know, just usually they're seeing it. It's not what's in their heart. It's certain things just don't vibe with them. But it's learning to honor what God is doing, learning to honor the leadership that is there, and then just really hear and listen to the Holy Spirit. Uh, serving is a huge deal. Like if, you know, my story, and I kind of referenced it a little mm-hmm. bit, yeah. you know, I kind of ran out when I first got the call and I was going to start something. And I realized, okay, no, this isn't working. So what did I do? I went and I served and I served really faithfully in the one youth group. And then my family moved churches. So I didn't have much of a choice. I moved to the next one. I served faithfully. Just how can, I mean, I wasn't perfect all the time, but my heart was just, how can I help? 
I don't have an agenda. I'm just here to help. And then I got the opportunity to start at the Korean church. And, and I just, let me get in here. Let me do a good job. Let me do my best to serve here. I, it wasn't just like my stepping stone to the next thing. Cause I had no idea what was next anyways. Uh, but even when I started like to use Bible study, I just, we were winning kids. I wanted to serve them. I wanted to help them. And so if you just keep a heart of honor, Mm-hmm. And then you look for ways to serve and let God mm-hmm. promote you. Mm-hmm. Let God open the doors. Let God do it. Because when God does, if you try and go out and make it happen yourself, mm-hmm. it, it, it just it causes all kinds of problems. Uh, mm-hmm. now, but if you are letting God open doors for you and you're letting God do it. You know, I was, I was involved uh, in a season, an organization that I just, uh, it was kind of a larger ministerial organization and some different things. And I just... Uh, yeah, I, I actually had a bit of a bad attitude about it. I felt like, ah, it just doesn't connect. It doesn't, you know, whatever. It's this and that. You know, it's just, there was some things that, and the final one day the Lord said to me, he said, how would you feel if someone walked into your church and just criticized what was wrong? Mm. I said, I would, and he said, would you, would you be interested in them helping bring about change? I said, no, of course not. They're just coming in, staying back and criticizing. And God really kind of gave me a little bit of a butt kick in that moment. He said, well, that's what you're doing right now. He right. said, why not, why not get involved and serve, build relationship, earn trust, and then you, I'll open some doors and you can be part of the change that you want to see. Mm. And so I started to do that. And lo and behold, as I did it, I just started to serve, not with some huge agenda, but I just said, okay, let me serve, let me show up, let me be present. And, and God started to open doors. And, mm. and, and, and I really began to, to help, you know, just, I don't know what's the word I'd use, like just uh, some cool things started happening. But lo and behold, I realized as I connected more with some of the leaders of the organization, they were looking for the same thing. Mm. You know, they, I was judging from a distance, but they were, they were kind of on the same journey of saying, yeah, that's what we want. Mm-hmm. But we need people who are going to help us do that. And you can't, you can't, you, you, you always get influenced through serving. You don't get influenced through criticizing. Mm. You know, if you just sit back with your arms crossed and just kind of, well, this is wrong and this is wrong. Well, anyone can, I mean, really that's what, you know, the enemy is the accuser of the brethren. That's right. Right. If you're just accusing and you're putting something down, you're on the wrong side. You're playing for the wrong team. Mm-hmm. You know, it's Jesus is the intercessor. He's the one who gets involved, who prays, and who says, hey, what can I do to serve? You know, whoever lives to make intercession for us. Mm-hmm. So we can side with the accuser of the brethren, or we can side with Jesus, the intercessor. Mm-hmm. The accuser of the brethren stands back and says what's wrong. The intercessor says, okay, I'm going to pray and what can I do to help? Right. And see, so you really want to, you want to, and, and that can, you, and you go on a journey. Sometimes there's things that really frustrate you. Sometimes you say, I don't know why we do it this way. I don't know why it happens this way. Or, but, but, you, but many times, and I'm sure you guys have both experienced, there's actually a test even in that because mm-hmm. God's going, but God's testing heart and he's testing mm-hmm. our, he's building our character to be ready for what we want because you have to let God form your character before you step, because you always get the dream. You think you're ready, but your character is not ready. Mm-hmm. And, if, and if God was to release you into that dream in the moment that you think you're ready, the dream would actually destroy you. Right. You wouldn't be ready to carry the weight of what God wanted to do. So what he does is he gives you a dream and then he takes you through process to build your character. So you are ready to steward what he's put inside of your heart. And I mean, that's, if there's anything, I watch myself live that one out and I'm still living out because there's things I think I'm ready for right now. And I'm like, come on, God, I want this open door. I want this favor right now. And I'm ready. And God's like, no, you're not ready yet. Let's, let's just grow some more. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper in humility. Let's go deeper in servant heart. Let's go deeper in these things. So, but I think the key is to really 
to, you know, I just, I feel it this way. And it may seem specific to somebody listening. Don't side with the accuser of the brethren. Mm. Side with Jesus, the intercessor, get involved and serve. And then God will open the door. Now that door yeah. may be, that door may be changed within the organization you're in and you become part of the solution. That may also be, no, you serve for a season and then God opens the door and moves you into a new place. But it's right. the Lord that does that. And that's why I said, there's not one size fits all solution. Because sometimes, you know, sometimes you need to, you know, stick it out and serve. Other times, you, you know, there's some transition that God does, but you just, if you keep your heart in honor, you're listening to the Holy Spirit and you are side, you're, you're intercess, you're an intercessor rather than accuser. You, you get you get to the right place. Hopefully that makes sense. Is that yeah, kind of clear? No. Yeah, this no, is, that's great. This is excellent, uh, Brandon. I think uh, it's so rich for those uh, that are listening, especially the next generation that's coming up. I think there's a lot of wisdom that's uh, that's being shared here. Uh, and I, I guess a lot of this comes from your own experience of your journey of transitioning over the different seasons of life and coming into uh, a place of uh, of senior leadership yourself. Uh, and I'm sure you're still part of, you know, organizations where you're contributing and you're, uh, oh, yeah. you're there supporting uh, yeah. for them to uh, make the changes and the transitions that need to happen for those organizations to do better as well. Uh, we have to wrap up. We're coming up to almost an hour. So this conversation has been incredible. Um, I guess my final question to you uh, for the, you know, just in a couple of minutes, I guess, uh, is, if there's a young person that's doing yeah. all of this, they're, they're walking in honor, they're serving, but from a, from a bigger picture perspective, they want to influence Canadian culture today. They really want to make a difference. Yeah. And you're in you know, the GTA, Toronto, um, largest city in the nation, uh, the hub of a lot of the cultural things that are going on right now in our, in our country, Ontario uh, is... Um, uh, is is sort of a, a leading province when it comes to a lot of the changes that are happening in our culture. So what would you say to that young person as far as, especially if they want to plant a church and that's where, they, that's where their heart is, how do we effectively engage Canadian culture today? What are a couple of things that you see, uh, best practices that you would say uh, to engage our culture today? I mean, and culture is changing. So you're talking about the 2000s, 2018 coming into 2020, from oh, it's, so many different perspectives, it's it's so radically different. Uh, and, and we talked about the, the pace of the technological change and advancement that's been happening. Well, I think culture has pretty much kept up with that as well and has changed yep. tremendously uh, oh, in the same frame of time, a time frame. So what would you say to someone wanting to engage uh, Canadian culture? Well, yeah, it's interesting when you say that. And I mean, just think about it. So many things would flood my mind. I'll try and make sure I pull out a couple things. Yeah. I think, you know, there's... There's the culture changes, there's new methods, but then there's certain things that always stay the same. And so my first thing, if someone's really saying, you know, let's just say, I'll say you really want to impact culture and whether church planting or it could be in some other things. I mean, church planting is definitely something that's right in the middle of my heart. Mm -hmm. The first thing I would say is make sure that you are going deep in your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Make sure that you have like serious, hardcore discipleship, Christianity going on in your life. Mm. What we, there's a lot of times uh, I, I could, I've experienced it at seasons of my life. I've watched it with people. You know, you got this dream, you got this call, but your, your roots are shallow. Your walk with God is shallow mm. and it's not going to be there to sustain 
what God wants to do. And so if we want to go outward and make a difference, we first got to make sure our vertical is aligned properly. And so you really want to make sure that you are going deep. And it's interesting too, because often when you're in the season where you want to do something, like I remember I used to be, I just want to preach. I would preach anywhere. You know, I would like, I just want somebody let me preach. And if someone would let me preach, you know, it's just, I didn't care who it was, where it was. I just wanted to preach. I was just looking for an opportunity. Well, you know, you kind of grow through that. Now I'm in a season where I'm, I have to turn things down sometimes because, you know, it, it's with that. But in those early seasons, you, you always want to rush out to go do things. And God's actually saying, no, in this season, go deep in me. Yeah. Take advantage of this time to go deep in your walk with me, to go deep in what I'm doing in your life. Go deep in hiddenness. Go deep in, you know, being ready. Because the day will come when you step out into what you're going to step out into. And you are not going to have the same amount of time. You are not going to have the same amount of, you know, and, and you throw that and get married, having kids, all the things that life comes. It's like when you're in the season of preparation, prepare, dig deep, take advantage of what don't want to get into the next season so quickly. You lose the opportunity of what God has for you in that season. And so I think, and because no matter whatever changes, it's the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's the power of the word of God that's truly going to impact people. You know, and we want to be cutting edge. We want to be, you know, we want to be, you know, step forward in what God has for us. We want to be doing what God's called us to do. But we, the bottom line, it's, it's God that's going to make the difference. Mm -hmm. People need to encounter God, you know, and, and so go deep in your relationship with God. Make sure you have a prayer life, mm -hmm. you know, lay the foundation in prayer for what God wants to do. It's one of the things mm -hmm. I'm thankful for. I didn't do it on purpose, but you know, my mom and I would, part of my story, we'd pray together sometimes for a couple hours a day. I didn't understand what we were doing at the time, but we were laying a foundation in the spirit for what God was going to do. Mm -hmm. So make sure, you know, in foundation and prayer, make sure, you know, study to show yourself approved. Mm -hmm. You know, like I didn't do this huge seminary thing and I'm not, I'm very much about practical hands-on education. Uh, I'm not opposed to seminary education either. I just think you need to do what God tells you to do. Right. And you got to know, cause I didn't, for what God's called me to do, I didn't need seminary. You know, but other people, if you need some, but, but make sure, don't be in such a rush to get to where God's called you to. It's really about prepare now for what God wants to do, because then you will make an impact. If you just release what God's put in your heart, you'll make an impact. But mm -hmm. as well, I'd say this, and I think it's good, in the midst of all that, really be a, a student of what is making a difference in our culture. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, social media is a big deal right now. You know, it's, but, but you use things as tools, begin to understand, really educate yourself, grow in understanding, learn from people who are making an impact or a difference. You know, again, you want to manifest what God placed inside of you. So you don't want to go carbon copy somebody else, but if mm -hmm. someone's got mm -hmm. something that's working, go learn from them. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. I don't care right now. I'll learn from anybody, mm -hmm. you know, like you reference it. We're talking about church plants. Like my friends, Sam and Jess Pickin down at C3 Toronto, they're doing some cool stuff. I'll go learn from them. Uh, you know, I've got other friends, you know, who are just getting started. I still try and learn what's working for you guys. What are you doing? You know, anyone who's getting some traction, I'm, I'm, I'll call them. I'll track them down. I, I'll call pastors in New York City. I'll call pastors in Ottawa. If I see, you know, that God's doing some cool things, I'll just try and get a conversation. I'll ask them questions, you know, but stay humble, stay hungry. And, and, and just, and, and just like, you know, just stay right in that place. Uh, and, and then just follow God, follow his pathway. You know, it's interesting. I was listening to uh, a podcast, actually, funny enough, uh, yesterday there goes, uh, Carrie Newhoff was talking with Brian Houston mm -hmm. and uh, just talking about the whole Hillsong journey. It was a really good, really good podcast, but it's interesting. You know, sometimes you look at people, even like someone like Brian Houston or just kind of the worldwide stuff God's doing with Hillsong. 
And you look at it and think he had this huge master plan. Uh, you know, kind of, oh, we'll do this and then we'll do this. And you listen to him talk about it. You guys, this guy didn't have a master plan at all. He just was obeying God in every moment. Mm-hmm. A new opportunity would come. He would step out in faith in that new opportunity. And so, so it's interesting that I think if you focus on growing in God, focus on, and, and please, I'll say this to get healed and whole. Mm-hmm. That's what some people do. Get, get healed and whole, get solid in the Lord, get internal heart issues dealt with. Because if you don't get that stuff taken care of, you step out into bigger things for God and you get smoked. Yeah. You know, make sure if, if, you know, if, if there's lust stuff, if there's fear stuff, if there's get, get healing, get, get deliverance, get those things taken care of in your life now. And then you have a really amazing foundation to build upon as you go forward. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I, I, hopefully that answers that well, that would be some of just a few of my thoughts for things. Absolutely. Uh, Brendan, uh, we wish we had more time for all of your thoughts because uh, your thoughts are profound and uh, they are definitely, uh, you know, insightful. There's a lot of wisdom uh, for people that, um, that are on this journey of wanting uh, to make a difference uh, in their world for God and wanting to do it right and wanting mm-hmm. to do it in a way that's effective. So Brendan, if people want to get a hold of you and mm-hmm. you're calling out all these people, but they're saying we need to talk to you, Brendan, how do they reach you? Well, uh, my cell number is, no, I'm just playing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, guess I get real personal. No, my wife will knock me out if I throw my cell number out on the, uh, on the podcast. It's real simple things. Uh, I'm, I'm all over Instagram. It's just at Brendan Witten. So okay. Uh, B-R-E-N-D-A-N-W-I-T-T-O-N. So no H, you know, uh, and so in there, but Brendan Witten on Instagram. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm still on Facebook sometimes, you know, okay. lots going on with Facebook, but I'm yeah. still on Facebook. So you can get me there just under Brendan Witten again. And then obviously our, our church is Toronto City Church okay. and our website is torontocitychurch.com. And so, uh, yeah, but if someone really wanted to get to me, probably the simplest way, I mean, go to the church, shoot off an email, Call the church or just hit me up on Instagram and just send me a, send me a message. I'm on there quite regularly, as Finu, you did point yes, out absolutely. a couple of nights ago. That, uh, so uh, I'm very active. So yep. Yeah, yeah. So I'd be, uh, yeah, definitely. I, and I'd love to connect with, if anyone wants to connect, I'd be more than glad to. And yeah, man, thank you guys for having me on. It's been a real honor to do this. I, I love this stuff. So. Thank you. Thank you for so, doing uh, this. I uh, appreciate it. Yeah, you. my pleasure. And, uh, you know, we want to say that we honor you for being a leader in our city and for all that God is doing through you and your church. So thanks again for uh, sharing this time with us. No problem. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Well, friends, listen, I hope you were blessed with that uh, podcast interview. I was uh, mm-hmm. uh, really encouraged with a lot that uh, Pastor Brendan had to say, uh, share. His story, obviously, is incredible. Journey of faith, really, because as he yeah. Emily, uh, from one season to the next, he wasn't sure what mm-hmm. God, where God was going to take him. And yet uh, uh, being uh, humble and being obedient uh, is what led him into the seasons of life and ministry. Uh, that he shared with us. So uh, what are some takeaways that you uh, you got from from what he had to share? Yeah, you know, he mentioned at one point this idea of David's. And mm-hmm. as he was describing the type of, when he was giving kind of that um, feedback or kind of practical tips to people who are maybe in this season of life where they've, they feel like they've got this dream or creative idea and how do I kind of move people in that mm-hmm. direction? And, and what he was saying was such a, 
a representation of David in David's life and this idea that David served um, as a shepherd boy. And those times where he was out in the fields on his own, God was preparing his character, his humility, his strength even. And so in that season, it can seem almost insignificant. And yet that carried him through to another season. And, you know, even with him defeating Goliath and this idea that many of the trained army in a sense are like, what is he doing? Who does he think he is? And, and Pastor Brendan had talked a bit about that of how he, he felt like people thought he was this arrogant kid and yet he knew what God had told him to do. And so obviously, you know, he was very clear. We don't want to be arrogant about it, but sometimes, you know, there is opportunity to have these groundbreaking moments in a sense, or maybe, um, these, uh, outside the box moments and but from that it's coming from a place of humility and yeah. serving and going okay God maybe it's not the time right now but how can I kind of serve this area or maybe even this leader who's not maybe on board with this idea right now but how can I serve them in the midst of it and from there you know really God's God leads us and God promotes us in the right time and in the right season and so you know that was a great um, just, you know, for all of us really, but especially even as those that are trying to lead maybe a movement or an organization or whatever it is of going, okay, God, help me, my character mm. to be at a level that can carry um, this call really. Yeah, that's awesome. I think that's uh, that's great. Friends, listen, I, I know that if you listen to this, you were blessed. Please share this uh, with uh, those that you know that have a sense of call and a mission uh, and want to make a difference uh, in their world uh, for the kingdom of God. And with that, uh, remember, we always love to hear from you. Uh, please send us uh, an email at missionconnect at passiontoreach.com. Uh, would love uh, to uh, hear your thoughts, your feedback, your questions. And uh, as always, uh, please tune in uh, next week to another episode of Mission Connect. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of Mission Connect. Join us next week. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes.